Hey there, and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, your place for weekly sermons, church updates, and more. You're currently tuning into our weekly sermon cast, so grab a pen and notebook or get your notes app ready, and let's dive right into it. Today, we are going to talk about kind of the stressful situations of life balance, uh, there was a lot of comments about that and about how to do time management and some things of that nature. And so uh, this is in response to that. But here's where we're going next week. Let me go ahead and mention that next Sunday we're starting a new series called Church or Church. All right. Everybody say church. Church. All right. So we're going to talk about church next week. Why bother? And uh, so it's, it's like, you know, do I have to go? Uh, can I just opt out of that? Is that okay? Um, you know, do I have to go every week? Or, you know, or I don't know about the church anymore. Is it kind of off base from what God really intentionally wanted at the beginning and what it should it look different or whatever. So we're going to talk about some of those things. And next Sunday, especially, um, we're going to talk about something that is a pandemic in our culture. It is not a coronavirus. It's, it's something that's very deadly, though, and is in our culture uh, big time. And the experts really don't have a whole lot of answers for it. The good news is, is the church happens to have the answer. Who would have thought? And so uh, the church has the answer for this pandemic. And so next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. So it would be a great Sunday to bring someone with you. Uh, Next Sunday would be a great time to bring a guest, uh, especially if you know somebody that maybe isn't so hot on church or whatever, and they're thinking, why bother? Uh, Why church anymore? Um, why should I get involved in a church? Uh, if you have some people like that, especially bring them, but bring anyone, everyone that you can next Sunday because it's going to be a powerful, powerful day and a powerful series. But today we're finishing up talking about things that kind of stress us out, like life balance. And uh, what I felt from all those comments was like, I've got pressure. I'm not sure how to deal with it. So we're going to address that today because I looked and 55% of the average American feels stressed daily. Every day, over half of us feel stressed. And one out of three of those describe that stress as paralyzing. That's paralyzing stress. And the Things that people stress about, you know, they stress about their job, they stress stress about money, stress about the economy, you know, how much are eggs going to be today, Uh, how much is gas going to be today, where's that at, Uh, am I going to have enough money this month, and, uh, you know, where's the future of the country going, Um, you know, housing situation, what are interest rates doing, Uh, when are they going to come down again, Uh, my health, when's it going to get better, 
public safety, you know, a lot of issues with that. So there's just a lot of things that people can get stressed about. And uh, they say, medical experts say that up to 90% of ailments that happen to people are stress-induced. That, that some of those sicknesses, illness, and diseases came into a person's life because they were stressed. How many are stressed just hearing all that right now, <laughs> right? And so there's a lot out there. And so what do we do with the stress? Some of us, you may have people in your family who the more stress they have, the more hyped they are. And then you may have some people in your family that the more stress they have, the more subdued they are and withdrawn. So in other words, stress can cause us to shrink down to a zero or escalate to an 11, depending on personality types. And so what we can think is, well, I just need to, have you ever thought this? I just need to eliminate stress from my life. I've got to eliminate stress. Well, first of all, I don't think that's possible to eliminate stress. And I don't think it's God's intention in our lives either. As a matter of fact, uh, if you'll ask people sometimes about their life story, sometimes they'll share with you stressful times, like that was a highlight of their life. You know, I know when I've talked to other pastors, they'll talk about, well, I remember when it got rough. We were going through a building campaign and we were going through this and, you know, or they'll talk about the time that they had a staff person that they had to deal with and it was stressful and, and things like that. And they'll tell me about things that were problems. And think about your own life. Maybe you tell about the degree you got. Well, that degree you got, that diploma you got, took some work. It took some stress to be able to pull that off. You know, maybe you talk about something that just happened recently, and you, you're talking to somebody, and you say, oh, we went through this crazy home renovation. It was, oh, man, it was stressful and everything. But we're still married you know, and, uh, you know, you think oh, that's an accomplishment, you know, through all that. And, and so when you think about going to the gym, you know, and, and you think, well, I want to go to the gym. I need to get healthier. But you start to lift something. You think, well, that doesn't feel good. So I'm done with that. Let's, let's go to something else. And, and then you start to lift that. Well, that's heavy too, you know. I'm just, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to go home now. How many know you're not going to get healthier, right? You're not going to build muscle. You're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get healthier. And, and so it takes stress to get strong. And I want to say it this way. Stress precedes blessed. Right? Because you, you get stressed, but then you get the diploma. Then all of a sudden you move to a new level in your marriage, or or all of a sudden you, you build your business and it and it takes off. The goal isn't to get stress out of our lives. That's kind of unrealistic and it's really unhealthy for us. 
But the question we want to look at today is, how can we manage stress? How can we manage the stress in our life and have life balance? And with all the busyness of life, how can we make sure that we do it right? Because I think if we do it right, it'll lead to growth. But if we do it wrong, it'll lead to destruction. And one of the verses uh, of scripture that I, I'm, not really, I'm not really fond of, uh, it's a promise that Jesus gave. It's, it's like my least favorite promise of Jesus, where he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Thank you, Lord, right? Oh, thank you for that promise, you know, right? And, and so, but that's what he promised. He, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So trouble's going to come our way. Stress is going to come our way. Difficult things are going to come to us. But that's not necessarily all bad. And I want us to look at what one guy did with his stress in the scripture. Uh, this is a guy who was not one of the original followers of Jesus. He was not one of the original disciples. There were 12 of those. And he was not one of them. But shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, he changed from being a persecutor of the church to being a preacher of the church. That's quite a transformation. And his name is the Apostle Paul. And he wrote about half the New Testament. And here's one of the things that he wrote to a church in Corinth. It's, it's what we call the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, to these people, he wrote about his, his experience and he shares it with them in this open letter that we get to read today about 2,000 years later. It's pretty powerful. Here's what he said. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble. There it is. There's what Jesus promised. He says, I, I want you to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I, I can't take it anymore. I, I can't take any more. I, I, uh, I, I, just, I just can't take more. You know, he says it was beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, he says we expected to die. I mean, I mean, no, that's pretty bad. It, it's like, I, it's so much pressure there's so much against us that we, we feel all of this coming at us to the point where we not only feel like we're going to die, we're pretty sure we are. We're, we're, we're going to die. And, and here's the thing is when you get into those situations, how many have ever had a precious saint of God come to you and say something like this? Well, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever had somebody say that? Get away from that person. Okay. You say, well, why? 
because it's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God won't give you more than you can handle. What they get confused about is there is a verse that says God won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able to endure. But with that temptation, we'll provide a way out. So what God says is if you get into a thing where you, you know, you're tempted, God's going to look for a door. There's going to be a door. There's going to be a window. There's going to be a way out of that. And, and you can get out of it. But he doesn't say that he's going to give you less than you can handle. As a matter of fact, I think God gives you more than you can handle so that you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll become more like him. That wasn't a very big amen there, all right? But here, here's the thing. I, I just think situations over your head, I want to give you the forecast. The forecast is you're likely to come into times that are over your head. But that's how you learn how to swim. That, that's how you learn how to grow. And I remember when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was in Bible college back in that day. And, and uh, when that happened, I remember getting a call. I was a junior and um, my mom was going to have surgery and what that was going to look like and different things. And, and then it was close to the end of the, that year. And then I wound up coming home and did my internship at home, and, which was a good thing because I was there when she was going through the chemo treatments. But anyway, she asked my pastor at that time, our pastor, what should I do? You know, is it a lack of faith if I do these chemo treatments, because I, I don't want to be in a, a person of lacking faith, and, but yet at the same time, if, if that's something I should do, then should I do it? And she asked him. And um, here, here was the answer that my pastor, who's now 99 years old, uh, this is what he gave to her back in the day. He, he said to her, I think... What I, what I do is do what you can do and then let God do what he can do. So you, you do what you can do, but you trust God to do what only he can do. And so today, I wanna take that and apply it to the scripture that we're gonna read further here in 2 Corinthians because as Paul deals with this situation, uh, it's going to help us today on how to deal with the stress when it seems too much. What, what do you do when the stress seems too much? The first thing that you do is do what you can do. You need to do what you can do. I like listening to the radio sometimes when uh, Dave Ramsey is on. Anybody ever hear Dave Ramsey on the radio? He's awesome. And so he, he's like full of energy and everything. And, and he'll interview some people who have come through FPU. Shout out to FPU that's going on at Crossroads Church. If you haven't taken FPU, you ought to. And um, so 
uh, he'll have these people, and typically, a lot of times, it's a couple. And uh, maybe a young couple or whatever, and they'll talk about, yeah, we had student loans, and then we got ourselves in credit card debt, and then before you know it, we were $75,000 in debt. And he's like, wow, that was a lot. And how much did you make? And they'll tell. And he says, well, what did you do? Did you make any changes and whatever? Yeah, we, we went to FPU. We learned about the snowball effect and everything. And, and then we, we ate tuna for two years. <laughs> you know, we just, that's all we had was tuna. You know, we just tuna fish sandwiches, tuna casserole, tuna everything. But we kind of swam better than we, no, I don't think they say that. But, but anyway, they, they talk about, you know, how they cut back. And, you know, we didn't do this and we didn't do that. And we just, you know, we did everything we could to sacrifice and everything. And, and then we got that snowball effect going. And, and oh, you can just hear their voices get excited. And then it just kept going and going and going. And he says, and now what? And, he said, and they say, and now we not only are debt-free, but we've got X amount of dollars in our savings account. And, and it feel, he says, how's it feel? Oh, it feels great, you know. And then he'll have them give a shout, and they give this shout over the radio of, of freedom. It's the sound of freedom. How many know what I'm talking about? If you've come out of debt, right? You know what that feels like. So it's the sound of freedom. And, and it's because they did what they could do. And, and there's a point of this that we've got to do what we can do. But here's, here's the danger that I think about. And that's why I want to spend some time on. Is that we overdo. Some of us. We overdo. We think we can do more than we can do. And so I love the book uh, that's called Boundaries. It was written several years back, uh, but the application is great. I love the thought of boundaries in your life and how you need to establish boundaries. You need to have personal space that you make in your life for you. And, and you know, when's my... When, when's my time to take care of myself? Because it's important to have boundaries. As a matter of fact, I was flying on some long flights going to Asia here recently. And uh, I'll be talking more about it in the coming weeks as we get ready to do our end of the year offering to make a difference in the world and to once again make a big dent in sexual trafficking in the world and also to help some campus ministry in Japan where only 1% of the country proclaims to be Christian. Yeah, I didn't mess that up. That's a true statement. And so we found a way to be able to reach people in Japan, and, and we're going to be doing some of those things exciting. But I was on a 14-hour flight uh, at one point, and uh, another long one, and a couple short ones, shorter ones. And in um, all the flights, here's what happened every time, whether it's by video or a living person illustrating it, it said, in the event of an emergency, a mask will drop down in front of you. And if you are with a person who needs assistance, such as a small child or someone else that needs assistance with that mask, please put your mask 
on first. Now, why do they do that? Why do they say that? I think it's because a lot of parents would think, oh, my gosh, I can't hardly breathe. And here's my little child sitting next to me. I'm going to help them out before I help myself. And then what can happen? They're squirreling around and whatever, and you're trying to, and you're both dead. <laughs> now you're both dead, right? And I think that's what they're trying to avoid is that kind of thing. Like if you get oxygen first, then you can maneuver and work and get that on that two-year-old or whatever and help them to live as well. And so the premise is this. Take care of yourself first. I think that that's what Paul did in his life. I, I think what happens is we don't say our best yes to the best things always. We, we just say yes to everything. And here's what happens when we do that. We, we think we can be savior. And then some of us, we don't think we can be savior. We expect somebody else to be savior. Like your husband or your wife or you're single and you think, oh, if I marry somebody, they can be my savior, right? Eradicate loneliness from my life and whatever. But here's what I want to say to somebody today. No one can be Jesus to you other than Jesus, okay? So that other person, you know, and, and some of us, we, it feels good if somebody says, oh, if Pastor Craig prays for him, they'll probably get healed. I just want to let you know that is not the case necessarily, all right? I've prayed for people, and they got worse, so I, I wish I could guarantee healing. But here's what I know. I can help, but I can't heal. Only he can heal. Only he can heal. And some of you are expecting a human to do for you what only God can do for you. Some of you, what's aching in your heart, what's empty in your soul is not that this other person needs to be something else or more or whatever. It's that you need to go to God and allow God to be God in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, to be everything that you need him to be because that's who he created you to be is to need him like that. Can I get a good amen? So... We need to focus on him. I can't be Jesus for you, and, and nobody else can. But, but here's what happens is, I, I don't know about you, but one of my greatest fears is letting people down. And, and so what happens is that means it's hard to say no. And, and so what I do is I just will say yes to everybody, you know? yes. Yes. Can you do it? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Can you be here at the same time as over there? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And here's what happens. Yes can cause my stress. How about you? 
And so what we've got to do is we've got to say, you know, no, 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 no. What I have to do is I have to learn to say, because here's what people think. People think if we ask Pastor Craig, it'll happen. Because he's like omniscient and omnipresent and uh, omnipotent. And he knows what's going on all over the church. I just had somebody ask me after second service. They said, when is that event that's coming up? I said, I don't know. (laughs) I said, I literally do not know. Uh, I know it's coming, but I don't know what time it is. So um, you're going to need to ask somebody who knows something around here, okay? Uh, Because that's not my thing, uh, that area. And, And so what I have to do is say, no, you need to go ask somebody else. No, you need to talk to this person. You need to do this. Instead of taking all that on, because here's what I want to say to somebody is every yes has a cost. Every yes has a cost. And so what you, you can't just keep spending money, right? And you can't just keep spending time either. As a matter of fact, it's easier to get money than it is to get time. You can't get more time. And so Paul, along these lines, he, he goes on in this same writing, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll skip down to verse 15. And I want to read it this time out of the message version because I just love the way the message version puts this. He says, confident of your welcome, I had originally planned two great visits with you. That's what I planned on. Coming by on my way to Macedonia province and then again on my return trip, then we could have a bond voyage party as you sent me off to Judea. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? That was the plan. Are you now going to accuse me of flip-flopping with my promises because it didn't work out? Do you think I talk out of both sides of my mouth, Paul says? A glib yes one moment and then a glib no the next? Well, you're wrong. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Our word to you wasn't a careless yes canceled by an indifferent no. How could it be? When Silas and Timothy and I proclaimed the Son of God among you, did you pick up on any yes and no, on again, off again, waffling? Wasn't it a clean, strong yes Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes, and our yes together. Paul says, when I preach and I'm using the words of Jesus, you can count on it. That's just the way it is. That settles it. But me, however, whatever I say, that could, that could be a little bit different. He says that God's yes and our yet, when we line up with him, it's gloriously evident. God affirms making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he's destined to complete. How many are glad that the spirit of God has stamped you And you have a sure beginning of what he's destined for you to become. How many are glad for that? Right? So he stamped you. He stamped you. And and then he says, 
Now, are you ready for the real reason? <laughs> How many you say that to people? Uh, now, what's the real reason? You ever do that? Or, or maybe you say, well, let me, let me go ahead and tell you the real reason. Paul says, now, are you ready for the real reason I didn't visit you in Corinth? As God is my witness, the only reason I didn't come was to spare you pain. I was being considerate of you, not indifferent, not manipulative like you think or backbiting and talking about me behind my back, about me being manipulative or wishy-washy. We're not in charge of how you live out the faith, looking over your shoulders, suspiciously critical. We're partners working alongside of you, joyfully expectant. I know that you will stand by your own faith, not by ours. In other words, you don't need me to get to Jesus. You can get there on your own at this point, he says. That's why I decided not to make another visit that could be painful to both of us. If by merely showing up, I would put you in an embarrassingly painful position, how would you then be free to cheer and refresh me? That was my reason for writing a text or an email or a letter instead of coming so I wouldn't have to spend a miserable time disappointing the very friends I had looked forward to cheering me up. I was convinced at the time. How many have ever made a decision you were convinced at the time this is a good decision? You ever done that? Where like at the moment, I was convinced this was the decision that I needed to make. Paul says, I was convinced at the time that when I wrote this, it was best for me and also best for you. As it turned out, there was pain enough just in writing that letter, more tears than ink on the parchment, but I didn't write it to cause pain. I wrote it so you would know how much I care. Oh, more than care, I love you. Oh, isn't that sweet? Paul telling them how much he loves them. And, and so here's the thing, is Paul says, at the time, I did what I felt was right. And what I felt was right for me and what was right for you. I just wanna step back into the parenting week for a second and just say, parents, that's how you parent. You just have to do the best you can with what you know. Come on, somebody. At the moment... I made that decision, it was the best decision I knew to make. But that doesn't mean you have to stick to it. Let me tell you something, parents, you're in charge. You are the CEO. Every parent say after me, I, say I, am the CEO of my house. That's right, that's right. Just set somebody free today, all right? Yeah. Because your kid says, hey, you promised, you said. you said. You say, you know what? You're right. I did back there. And at that point in time, I thought that was the right decision. But today, it's not. We're done. We're done. 
Because back then I, I thought it was, you know, you're not accountable to your kids. They're accountable to you for 18 years. And, and so what you've got to do is you've got to say, you know what? I thought you doing three sports would, keep, would be okay. That mom and I wouldn't lose our mind. But we are. So you now you got to pick one. Well, I don't want to pick one. Pick one or you're done with all of them. All right, I got to get back to the real topic for today, all right? But I'm just saying some of your stress is because you say yes too much. Okay, you say yes too much. And Paul said, I, I did say yes. I did say I was coming to you. Matter of fact, I said I was going to come twice, but now I'm not going to come at all. I'm just going to send a letter. And you just read it, and here it is. Because here's what happens when you say yes to too many things. You don't have a yes for the best things. See, when you're saying yes to all this stuff, sometimes what you're saying no to is your marriage. Now, now all of a sudden, you, you didn't intend to, but now you're saying no to your marriage. Or you're saying no to your real rich family life. You're on a fizz trying to get here and there and whatever. Or you're saying no to God's calling and God's purpose that he had for your life from before the day you were born. He had something for you that was bigger than you. And the reason why you're stressed is because you've not said yes to the best that God has to offer. So choose mission over position, all right? Choose, let me say it this way, choose purpose over popularity. You know, you see families updating their Instagram at the table, and it's like your family's right there. You know, you're missing the moment while you're trying to update something or check out somebody else or what some other family's doing or whatever's going on. And, and, and what happens is you're, you're missing it because you're not choosing the best yes. And the first yes needs to be to God and God's purpose for your life. I know when I'm stressed, it's because I'm trying to please people. Okay, that's a sure recipe for me to get stressed. But when I'm trying to please God, a lot of my stress goes away. Come on, somebody, right? So here's what I want you to do. Just look and see if you're overcommitted. And, and overcommitted maybe to even certain people. I think it's John Gordon. I like how he puts it. He calls people, some people, he calls them energy vampires. All right? That's a good one for October, right? Energy, anybody have some energy vampires where that sucking noise, you know, is this person draining my lifeblood right out of me, you know? It's like, oh my gosh. 
And, and, and so here's what you do. You spend too much time with energy vampires when you need to spend time with some people who can build you up. And what are you doing for yourself? Are you reading scripture? Are you praying every day? How do you set the tone of your day? What are you doing with your, are you getting to the gym? Are you doing things that will bring you energy or are you saying yes to less, more Less of important things. And then what do we do with the rest? First Corinthians, Paul talks about this in chapter, chapter one. And first, I guess second Corinthians, second Corinthians, chapter one, verse eight, in the message version, he says, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad. I love how the message puts it. We didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, now check this out. It was the best thing that could have happened. Have you ever done that? Something bad and then it turned out good. And you said, well, I thought that was going to be terrible. And you know what? It turned for good. Hello? It's all right if you talk to me. Matter of fact, I'll quit sooner if you do. All right? Just telling you. All right. Instead of trusting in our own strength, because I think you've got it, okay? So then I'll send you home. So our wits to get out of it. We were forced to trust God totally. He says, Here, here's what happened when I, you know, maybe it's for you. When you got that diagnosis, all of a sudden you could read the Bible. You found time. All of a sudden you could pray more. All of a sudden you got closer. To, all of a sudden you're witnessing more. It's, it's uncanny. It's amazing what's going on. And Paul says, here's what happened. We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Hello? And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again. Rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. He's gonna do it again and again. How many know if he saved you, if he brought you this far, chances are he's gonna bring you through today. And if he brings you through today, chances are he's gonna bring you through tomorrow. And that's what Paul says. And he says, so I don't want you in the dark about something either about your prayers he's talking about. I can see your faces even now lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us, a rescue in which your prayers played such a crucial part. You know what? You don't need some more energy vampires in your life. You need some energy makers in your life. People who bring life to you. People who pray for you. People who are cheering for you. That you know when God answers the prayer, they're the first person you want to call because they're going to scream so loud on the phone you're going to have to take it away from your ear because they're going to praise God right alongside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have some people like that in your life that you know they're going to praise God with you. They're going to pray to God with you. They are for you. They are in your corner. How many have some people like that, right? You got some people like that? So, so Paul says, it, it forced us to grow. 
is really what it did. So here's, here's the last one, is trust God with the rest. How many have trust issues, though? Right? I ain't trusting that government. I ain't trusting those people. I ain't trusting whatever. We'll talk about church and trust here in the next few weeks and stuff like that. But, but put that cookie up here for me. I got a picture of a cookie. How many have ever saw one of these cookies? Can you get that up? There it is. And uh, you say, oh, my gosh. Mm, I love me some chocolate chip cookie, you know. And, and you reach and get it, and it, it was oatmeal raisin. It's like, who does that to somebody, you know? <laughs> Messing with me, you know? And uh, how many know sometimes you, you can think something's going to be and then it's not? And, 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 and Paul had a lot of stuff. He said he had people who ran out on him. He had people who blackmailed him. He had people who tricked him, he had people who deserted him, he had all kinds of stuff that have death threats and everything. He felt all this kinds of stress. And at this point that we're reading about, he says, it got so bad, I just felt like I'm gonna die. As a matter of fact, I was pretty convinced that that was what was gonna happen. And some of you, you're carrying so much stress and you've done so much. You've said yes to so many things and just piled on stuff. And then the diagnosis came and then the, the kids got wild and then this other thing happened and then your family's not getting along and then you got stress at work and then the boss moved away and, and different things have happened in your life and it just piles on and you think, I can't take it anymore. So what do you do when it just feels like it's too much? Paul says, that's when you rely on God. That's when you, you learn to live at a different level to where you submit everything to God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 in the New Living Translation. He says that he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our what? Our confidence in him. Where is your confidence today? Your ability? The doctor's ability? The counselor's ability, your spouse's ability. Where, where's your confidence today? Paul says, I learned a new confidence. It's in the Lord. Somebody said it this way. You don't know God is all you need until he's all you have. Right? How many have learned that? You had to hit the bottom first. And then you realize, hmm, I think I'm going to have to rely on God. I like what the Jewish people say to each other. They'll say, Shabbat Shalom. And um, what that means is that I wish you a peaceful uh, Sabbath. I wish you a 24-hour period this week in which you can be at rest. I wish for you a 24-hour period in your week when you will just be able to... Does that sound good? 24 hours, just a... And they wish that because they do that. 
they unplug from 8 p.m. on Saturday or on Friday until 8 p.m. Saturday and, and just say, we're going to shut everything down. We're just not going to do anything. We're just going to rest and we're going to worship God and we're just going to just have family time and we're just going to chill. And so they wish that on it. Maybe we Americans should start saying that to each other. Yeah, you know, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Somebody, what? Did you cuss me out? No, I didn't cuss you out. I, I blessed you is what I did. I blessed you. And, 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 and I, I was thinking about that this week in preparation for this. And I, I did some study. I, I checked into Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. Jesus chicken, right? And so I checked into it. And, and I found out that Chick-fil-A is the number three fast food restaurant in the United States. That uh, they have just moved up and are still moving up. And the two that are ahead of them, one of them sells colored water and uh, has about five people. It's Starbucks, okay, so don't Google it. Just look up here, all right? So, and uh, the other one, is McDonald's, and that's because there's more McDonald's restaurants than there are people in the United States. So, not really, but anyway, there's a lot of them. But here's, here's what I love about Chick-fil-A. Here's what I love about Chick-fil-A, is they say, we're going to catch you, we're going to beat you at your own game in six days. Six days. That's right. We're going to close the shop on Sunday. And everybody can go to church, worship the Lord, and come back to work on Monday. And what I love is that the devil tells you, you got to work harder. You got to take your laptop on vacation. You, you can't take any time off. You can't. You, you got to get to working. You got to stay busy. The, the, the competition's going to catch up with you. And so you'd better just stay busy. You better just push yourself and push yourself and push yourself. And your kids are going to get behind if you don't have them involved in every activity that the school can possibly allow them to sign up for. And so what you've got to do is just run yourself ragged, running all over town for these children in your home because that's the that's what is good. That's what a good parent does. And you know what? That's what the culture has to offer. And that's the reason why the culture is jacked up. I don't want what the culture has. I want what God has. Come on, somebody. I want what God has for me. And, it, and if Chick-fil-A can do it. See, it just sounds a lot like, like tithing. That doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I'm going to, Rochelle and I, we're, we're going to tithe. We're going to get 10% or more. And, and we give more than that to the Lord and in different causes and different ways. But we tithe to the church and all. And, and so it sounds like, well, that money, you, you could use that money in different ways and all. But you know what God said? God said, if you'll give it to me first, if you'll put me first, 
I will open the floodgates of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing. You won't even have room enough to receive it. And God said to Chick-fil-A, I feel like, just watch what I can do with a restaurant in six days, what the devil can do in seven days. And so to somebody here today, I want you to know that you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to worry about what the other people are doing. Get off of Instagram and get on your knees and get to the Lord and ask him what he wants wants for your family and what he would have you to do. And I believe if you'll put God first in your life, all the rest will work together for good. That's what I believe. Just try it. Just try it. Give a day to God. Give a day to God every week. Give your tithe to God and and just see what, what will happen. When we get our priorities in alignment and trust God with the rest, we can be at rest. I want to wrap this up by some statements that I thought this would be good if I would remind myself of this this stuff every little bit. Because I I need reminders. How about you? I need reminders. How many are glad your iPhone uh, or your phone tells you where to go next? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got an appointment coming up. That's right. And uh, I need some reminders. That's why the Sabbath idea to just remind yourself who's in charge of my life? Who am I really trusting with my life? Where's my real confidence? So I I put this down. Maybe you can do something kind of like it. To remind yourself the Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my fortress. He is my shield. He is my helper. He is my inheritance. He is my healer. He is my comfort. He is my source and my supply. The Lord is high and lifted up. The Lord is the everlasting God. The Lord is the king forever, and the Lord is coming back soon. Maybe maybe you need to remind yourself of some of that. And that way you can just let go of some of that stress you're carrying. And you can say, you know what? I'm not alone. The Lord is with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, for examples in your word where you said if we'll just seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, all these other things will be added to us. So God, some of us, we need to realign our priorities. So God, wherever this hits us today, some of us, we we need to trust you instead of how smart we are, how sharp we are, how hardworking we are, how whatever we are. God, help us today take this home with us and apply it to our lives. 
There may be some of you that need to apply this today in a way that where you rely on God to be your savior. The, the Bible says there's something that separates me from God, that separates you from God, and it's the same thing. It's sin. My sin, your sin, gets in the way of being able to connect with the holy living God. But the good news of Scripture tells us that God did something about that. Not you do something about it. He did something about it. He sent his son to die on the cross so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And if you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I need a relationship with God. And I don't feel connected to God. And it's probably my sin that's blocking me from being able to be connected to God. So I want God to take my sin away today. I want to confess my sin to God. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you want that here today, God's ready to receive you into his kingdom. He's ready to make you his child. He's ready to connect with you. And all you have to do is reach out to him today. If you'd like help with that, just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Yes, I need to connect with God today. I want God to take my sin away. I want to be a part of his family. And online, if that's you, just type the word decided in the chat. The word decided. We're going to be praying for you as well. Let's all pray this prayer so that those around us will pray and say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe through his death he paid for all of my sin. And so today I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I invite you to come into my life. Change me from the inside out. As much as I know how, I surrender all my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer. There are words on the screen that you can type in. You can text if you'd like to take a next step, and all of us have a next step. And so uh, you saw those baptisms today. It could have been you, maybe. And so you need to sign up so you can be a part of November baptisms. They're coming right up. Or you can go across the hall to our next steps room if you're in person. And that's one of the best things about being in person. You can just take that next step right here today. I want to do something else. Because I, I really feel like there's a lot of us that deal with this. That the weight, you know, your kids, your marriage, your singleness, your finances, the economy, the future, decisions you need to make, just all kinds of stuff. The, the diagnosis that you got, all of the stuff that can just weigh us down. Here's what I want us to do today is I want to bring it to the altar. I want you to bring it to the altar and I want you to leave it at the altar. 
Does that sound good? Just leave it at the altar. Just whatever. The, the scripture says, here's what Peter says. He says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So today, I want you as an act of faith, as a step of faith, just step out, come down here and lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Just lay it at his feet. Say, God, take my anxiety, take my fear, take my depression, take all this weight, take my kids, take my marriage, take my future marriage, take my singleness, take my money, take every, all the pressures, God, just take them today. I give them to you. Does that sound good? Come on, stand to your feet. They're going to lead us in this song again, and we're going to believe God to touch you, to free you, to enable you today.